what's what's up everyone welcome to the stream hopefully everyone's doing well uh what's up david and jesse how you guys doing right yeah yeah cool cool um so yeah we're doing dojo talks chess etiquette today we're gonna get started um shortly but before we do that we have like a couple of announcements as you guys can see we will be ranking some stuff here uh in terms of chess etiquette so you can take a look at the topics we'll be talking about and get your get your own takes on them on them ready uh as well um okay but first uh, a couple of announcements um i guess for me so uh this saturday guys we're gonna have a full day of streaming because we're doing this like charity thing with a bunch of other streamers and we're gonna have like some events we are i think supposed to be on the front page of twitch uh which will be pretty cool so Clear your calendars for Saturday, especially earlier in the day, Pacific time, like 10 a.m. Pacific time, I think we'll start and then we'll you know go for several hours after that. That should be a lot of fun to be announced what we're doing. But yeah, that'll be a ton of fun. Um, yeah, my, uh, mm-hmm. my goal is to go 7 a.m. to midnight. Oh, cool. All right, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, then uh, let's see, I want to, quickly plug our new verified club as well. If you guys want to play against other players under your real name against other verified members, you can um, find all the info in the chat. We put up a public post on our Patreon page. Um, You guys can check it out. Uh, It's very simple. You fill out the Google form with your info and then number two, you uh, apply to join the chess.com club that's linked, uh, the verified club. So once you're info is checked then we'll accept you into the club and then that'll let you play the new verified um sections um so yeah make sure to get on that we just had like our first uh rapid event i think this weekend and i want to do like a classical event for the verified group too so um yeah make sure to join soon if you're interested in that um okay one more thing for me also uh a little while ago, we started a couple of groups in the Discord based on location. We started these dojo chapters, and we now have very bustling teams from the US, Canada, Europe, United Kingdom. I think we're very close to making like a Team Germany, and there's a Team Latin America. Uh, and if you guys want to join and play for your continent or possibly your country, uh, you can check out the Discord. I do have a sign up link for you guys if you're um already curious but check out the discord there's a dojo chapters section you can then find the link and uh, apply to join one of the teams but we're going to be starting up um, some team battles next week and it's going to be um really fun so if you want to play for one of the teams i dropped the link in the chat you can use that to sign up one of our team captains will then add you to the right team you can join the right discord channel and then play in uh, club matches against um, other other teams so that's a lot of fun, and that's going to be starting up, I think, next week, actually. We're going to be doing our first uh, club matches. Um, okay, anything from you guys? Uh, yeah, I'll say that uh, I am playing this big tournament this weekend, so I'm going to be away a little bit. Though I guess maybe you guys could watch. You could watch me oh, online. Oh, yeah, we're going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then also uh i'm moving i'm moving to but to this amazing new streaming studio den that i'm gonna have so i'm really pumped about that but i'll probably be mostly away for let's say the next week so that's my announcement okay cool 
Um, and I guess uh, mine would be uh, this Sunday we'll do another Mega Rapid eight-round tournament after Saturday. So after Saturday's, you know, extravaganza, fun little one-hour shows, we'll do a big uh, we'll be, do a big tournament on Sunday. Hopefully, get a big turnout, invite a lot of people there from our, you know, front page eyeballs on Saturday. So um, yeah, if we have a lot of new players playing the tournaments uh, in the tournament on Sunday, please uh, show them good etiquette, bring them into the dojo kindly. And um, other than that, we're kind of filling out our schedule for the week. So it doesn't yet say what all the shows will be on Saturday. If you scroll down and look at the schedule now, um, those got most of Monday through Friday laid out. Um, and you can just assume we'll be, we'll be on pretty much all day Saturday, um, just TBD what will be on at what time. Yeah, sounds good. Um, okay, guys. Well, let's get into it. All right, this is Dojo Talks Chess Etiquette. We are ranking, once again, all of these, let's say, behaviors or habits that some players have that are all, to some extent, uh, not very good things to be doing. <laughs> so we'll discuss which, uh, which are worse and to what uh, degrees. Um, and... Yeah, actually, we didn't really uh, arrange these in any particular order. It's actually pretty random. So we can just start with um, the first one. And what we're going to do is actually we're going to individually rank these uh, as well. So we have our own um, individual tier list that you guys will be able to, to see here. And uh, we'll individually rank which of these things are the worst. <laughs> and then we'll kind of average it out to, to figure out the, um, the actual tier list. Uh, so hopefully that is clear to everyone. Uh, and yeah, thanks to all the follows and sub guys, much appreciated. Um, but let's begin with the first one, eating food at the table. Who wants to start? Oh, sorry, Coach. Yeah. Before, yeah. We, before we do one clarification, uh, somebody in chat is saying it sounds like maybe all of this has to do more with OTB than with online play. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, that's why we're doing this. Right, thank you. <laughs> because. Over the board tournaments are coming back. Actually, lots of folks I'm seeing online are playing like their first over the board tournaments. And um, yeah, in addition to I'm sure being confused by some of the rules, it's like, yeah, these etiquette things are definitely not well known um, or even exist online. They're just not even, yeah, it's not even a concern. Um, so hopefully this will be kind of like a helpful little guide to what you can and can't do um, over the board. Oh, and at, then at the end, we were talking about doing a little a little quick do's and don'ts list. So for those newbies out there, um, we'll have some very basic tips for you to follow <laughs> at your first over the board uh, tournament. Right, and I'd like to add, you know, last week we talked about chess culture and how it's evolving. And one of the interesting things about this right now is I do assume that both chess culture along with chess etiquette is going to change and so it's just going to be like i'm going to go out there this week and i'll give you guys a field report later <laughs> because i just assume it's going to it's just going to be a different world than it than what it used to be you know i think it really will change oh yeah absolutely actually falk just mentioned in the chat he got he lost the game due to a touch move thing which i mentioned in last week's episode the chess culture i was like the one thing guys i know is going to screw over a lot of new players over the board is touch move you guys gotta be really careful if you touch a piece you gotta move it that's not even etiquette that's just straight up law <laughs> in the chess yeah, world it's the law. <laughs> so yeah be careful 
Um, well, yeah, shall we get into it, guys? Let's get into it, yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, I think eating food at the table, I mean, it to me, it feels morally reprehensible. If my opponent does it, and there are degrees to this, so um, mm-hmm. things you... I mean, rule of thumb, I think you should just eat away from the board, and you can drink at the board. So you can drink your water or your coffee, that's fine, mm-hmm. but like eating anything, especially something with like a wrapper, anything that I can hear like from your mouth, honestly, like I hate you if you do it <laughs> while we're playing. Um, or if you're like a spectator behind me doing something, oh man, <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I don't know, I have that weird, um, I forget what it's called, it's not synesthesia, but it's some weird thing where it's like, you know, sounds can like really bother you, um, or certain sounds, it's like reverse ASMR. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I'm sure lots of people have it. Uh, I, I'm not going to rank it that bad. Sound sensitivity, Kostya? Oh, maybe, maybe. I feel like there's like a weird word for it. Anyway, um, so misophonia. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. That's a thing. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's when like just certain sounds bother you. Like um, Maya, for instance, she's really bothered by the sound of like any kind of fork or metal instrument scraping a bowl, which to me, like, I don't care. I, that doesn't bother me at all, but to her, like, drives her crazy, like nails on a chalkboard. Um, so these things, yeah, I think they affect others to various degrees. So yeah, my opinion is like, if you're gonna eat something, just get up when it's not your turn and eat it away from the board. Um, if it is your move and you're eating like nuts or something, I think that's fine. I'll just get up if it's bothering me. Like if it's your turn, then that's kind of, to me, it's kind of okay, but not ideal. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll uh, go with morally reprehensible too. Um, for different reasons, um, I feel like it's there's certain things about this, this, and this could change, but I feel like that's showing disrespect to the game. And whenever someone does something that feels like they're disrespecting the game, it's not even just me. You can disrespect me all you want, but if you do something that disrespects the game, for example, uh, now we're not gonna shake hands anymore, I assume, but to me, if you didn't shake hands in the previous world, that was morally irreprehensible because it was not just showing respect to me, but it was showing respect to the game as a ritual. And so, right, there's just a culture of, no, you do not eat at the board. You can walk away from the board if you need to eat and you can drink water or coffee. That's, and that's it. That's it, there's nothing more to say on it. (laughs) Yeah, let me clarify though, I would put it at really bad and just tentatively i'm putting it in my third spot although i might i might change that okay um yeah do you have an idea where you want to rank it jesse in terms of the the number i'm gonna put it oh the number oh gosh well why don't we let david go and then we're gonna switch we're gonna switch scenes and talk about the number okay or just whatever you can switch it later okay i put it at number four. four that's fine oh i see okay Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So this oh, is what we got know. so far. I put it number gonna... three. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can change it later. You can later decide that, you know, prearranged draws are worse <laughs> than eating or whatever. <laughs> okay. So um so I um a little surprised how harsh you guys uh judged this one. Um for me it was right on the borderline between very bad and annoying. 
I mean, all of these, almost every behavior we have here has sort of like a spectrum of, of mm -hmm. how bad it is depending on the degree, right? Um, right? And for example, you could be eating at the board when it's your move or when it's your opponent's move. You could be eating at the board when it's your move and you're in time trouble. And like, who's going to say that you're supposed to like walk away from the table when you've got like two minutes on the clock, right? So, and then you can eat like loudly or not loudly, right? I mean, the food that I eat during tournaments would usually be like three catches during a round <laughs> something like that right but other people like pull out a whole meal and it's like dripping like juice out of like a burrito <laughs> or it's splattering onto the board and stuff you know and that's that's a whole mm. different degree so mm. um i think that the rankings that that jesse Costi and i are giving individually are each in a sense like an average right like an average of sort of like you know more and less severe infraction so overall i would say eating food at the table is sort of just barely over the line it's very bad because you've got the option of eating away from the board which is such an easy alternative um but obviously if you eat something very discreetly during your own turn it's not that would be barely annoying um and if you pull out a meal during your opponent's turn and get food on the chessboard like <laughs> i think you could be kicked out of the tournament for that right so i think there's a whole range of, <laughs> there's a whole range but i'll put it at number four very bad cool okay so it sounds like we want it in really bad if we kind of average <laughs> sure, let's put it in really bad. Because I would say, yeah, for me, it's like a solid, really bad. For Jesse, was like kind of bordering, or you said morally reprehensible. <laughs> That's morally reprehensible. Um, and then for David, it's kind of on, on the edge. Um, okay. And then do you have a number for that, Jesse? Just so I can. Let's put it number four. Cool. All right. Tells us right away. <laughs> But Jesse's going to take a harder moral stance than I am today. <laughs> well, there's other things you're going to take a harder stance on, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking... Overall, you've got four morally reprehensibles, <laughs> it sounds like. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it, they would all be morally reprehensible for Jesse. <laughs> Before I read the list, I thought it was going to be like, I would put all eight into morally reprehensible. Then I read the list, and I was like, oh, they came up with a good balanced list with some things that aren't, that aren't as bad. Yeah. Well, um, okay, next up we have uh, multiple draw offers. Um, yeah, which again can kind of depend on like who's doing it and, and how bad we like we were saying like, you know, three is worse than two. Um, I think the, let's go over first the general etiquette. Um, unless your opponent is like higher rated. So let's say we're talking about equal rated opponents. You offer one draw. And if that is uh, declined, then you, you're done. You just don't offer any more draws until that's it, actually. You just don't. <laughs> if your opponent wants a draw, then they'll offer you one, and then you can decide at that point if you still are interested in a draw or if you want to play on at that point, which often happens. One side messes up, offers a draw, no thank you. Then that side messes up, offers a draw, no thank you. And then, you know, uh, game can go either way. So generally, just offering more than one is kind of a no-no. Um, I've definitely seen a lot of kids do it. And it is sometimes a concern at like um, 
like high level events i've definitely heard stories of kids kind of very aggressively like offering draws over and over again and losing positions mm. and then like putting pressure on their opponent who's like just kind of an inexperienced kid and kind of like taking advantage and then getting a draw in a game where they're like just completely lost um so that is definitely on the worst side but anyway uh yeah lots to lots to discuss here so who wants to start with this one uh, I guess what I add just to Kosti's description is maybe a way to think about it. And maybe this is even the way it evolved is, you know, in backgammon, there's a doubling cube. And, you know, you when you double it, you give it to your opponent and then you can't double it anymore. So the way I think about it is like your opponent can then offer a draw later after you've offered a draw let's say 10 moves later you are no longer allowed to offer a draw no 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 if your opponent then offers you a draw and let's say you decline it you are then in a position though let's say 10 moves later whenever to offer a draw again so there is a technical way in which you could offer more than one draw uh but in general you cannot do it until you know your opponent offers you a draw you just do it once and this one I think one thing in terms of what people should understand is people who've been around a lot like myself, they get very upset at this. Now, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't get as upset as we do, but if you offer a bunch of draws to some higher rated player, especially, oh man, they're never going to forget it. They will remember your name. <laughs> you will go down in history. They will talk about you. They'll be like, oh, this kid, man, he was offering all these straws. And they'll just, then every ball, that guy's friends will be like, oh, man, I don't want to play that kid ever, you know. Um, and it's usually a thing of, let's say, lacking chess culture. You just, the kid didn't understand how terrible it was that they were offering draw after draw after draw. Yeah. So I'm going to put that at number five for me, slightly worse than, or slightly better than eating food at a table. <laughs> so number one is going to be the worst and number eight is the least bad. Right. I think that's our understanding, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I put it also in very bad along with eating food. Um, I'll give it my number three rank. Um, largely as like a warning to people not to do this i mean it's not to me it's definitely not like a horrible horrible punishable kind of thing but like i just know that if 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 our people go out there and play in their first tournaments and start doing this to people people are going to hate them so in that sense it's like pretty bad um so that that's really it it's like it it it's a time it's a tiny thing as far as like how much it bothers you, right? Saying like draw occasionally is less noise than a lot of these like eating options, less distracting than some of the other things you can do. But for whatever reason, people are gonna really hate you if you do it, right? <laughs> They're really like, gonna hate you. <laughs> it's like a succinct way to like, you know, insult or piss them off, right? So um, you should really not. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm putting it up, up there at number three. Yeah, fair enough. So, right, for me, it's like, honestly, it's not the the biggest deal because uh, I just feel like if someone offers me a draw multiple times, like, they're just embarrassing themselves. It doesn't, like, distract me too much. Right. Um, but it definitely can be annoying, and uh, I would definitely say, like, yeah, just don't do it. Um, you can offer a draw one time, or if you're playing, like, a high-rated opponent, 
unless you have like a winning position and you're like giving them mercy, like probably don't offer a draw. They're usually just not going to be interested um, in the first place. And if they are, they'll offer you a draw. They're like <laughs> perfectly capable. Um, uh, and though the one, the one instance I'll mention is really annoying is when like someone offers you a draw, you decline. Then several moves later, like you like miss something or it's like clearly like blundered something and then like offer a draw again. Like, okay, now do you want to draw now that you kind of like messed it up? And I just think, yeah, that's very annoying. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Um, it just, it's not like against the rules, but yeah, it just makes me dislike you very much. Um, so I guess I'll put it at, um, I think I'm going to put it at number five for now. It's not the worst thing, but yeah, not great. I would put it out annoying. Did you guys both want really bad? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll put it out really bad. All right, and there are our individual rankings for those <laughs> keeping score. Um, okay, next up, um, accusing someone of cheating and uh, we're talking about doing this like publicly so either making like a scene at a tournament um, over the board or you know like after the tournament making some kind of like public announcement on like social media like oh I can't believe like my opponent was so suspicious they kept like doing this and this and this and like their game is like super accurate um, so basically a public accusation where even if you don't let's say name your opponent, everyone clearly knows who you're talking about, because it's like, oh, my fourth round opponent, or like, oh, my last round opponent, like, that's very easy information to go and, and look mm. up, right? So it's like, um, you can make it clear who you're talking about, even without, let's say, explicitly naming them. Um, so, yeah, this is <laughs> this is a tough one, but uh, it happens a lot, a one, especially yeah. on Facebook, and uh, it's not something that just, like, amateurs do, but, like, title players do it. Uh, all the time um yeah we had like wesley so do it right and in, in the online tournament but um yeah this kind of stuff happens in over the board events as well yeah yeah and i'll say this is the one for me kosi where i have the hardest uh time gauging it especially as it's an evolving thing and and the wesley so example maybe i'll just recap that for people there was an online tournament and uh, Wesley felt very strongly that his opponent was cheating. And then it's weird, you know, because Chestnut, this is an online event, but this kind of cultural question will carry on to over to over the board. And Chess.com will generally never do anything public if someone's cheating. In fact, I think until someone says something, reports them. Now, that's an anonymous report, a private report. It's not publicly. Uh, accusing someone of cheating if you do it on chess.com. But in any case, if you don't do some kind of report, they're generally not going to do anything. So Wesley made a stink, which was a very risky decision. And then was it was confirmed. It was confirmed. So it's like, are we going to say it was wrong on his part? I, I mean, it's kind of tricky situation, you know, like, I, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very confusing one to me. Uh, and I think, Kostya, you probably have, it sounds like you have the strongest moral sense on this one. So tell us, 
Tell us why it's <laughs> what. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I think it is it is wrong because it's like it's like Wesley So is he's being the judge and the jury, right? In in the court of public opinion, he he should know. He's like a huge player in the chess world. People are going to listen to him. If he calls mm-hmm. a lower GM out for cheating, people are just going to take his word for it, right? So it's like it's a ton of responsibility, and he definitely doesn't have. I assume, right? He does. He didn't have a hundred percent truth uh, proof, right? I'm assuming Chess.com didn't like email him, like, "Hey, they definitely cheated, but we're not going to do anything about it." Haha, <laughs> sorry. Like, I assume nothing like that happened, <laughs> where he like knew for sure, right, that the guy was cheating. Right. Um, that would be a good scenario, though, Coast. <laughs> <laughs> if that I happened, then that you know, Chess.com wrote back to me, "You're right, but we're going to give all the title prize to the Armenians anyway." Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, like if they said that, then okay, I would think he's morally in, in the right, right? But um, yeah, I guess I, I remember learning in business law of all classes that like, you know, it's better that a uh, hundred guilty men go free than one innocent person gets punished. And I feel like, I don't know, I, I think there is some some wisdom in that. And so um, I also just feel like, yeah, very little gets done with the public accusations except just making a big stink about it. So. Um, I think the proper thing to do is like go to the arbiters, make some kind of official complaint, go to the tournament director, um, like whatever you need to do. If you really think your opponent is is being suspicious or, or what have you, then um, I mean that has to be done. I think via the proper channels during the game. If like the opponent, I mean the thing is like there's hysteria. I remember I was uh, assistant directing a tournament, and um, uh, someone who's actually. Okay, pretty famous person in the chess community. Uh, someone like came to us super worried because they just saw some person in the bathroom with a cell phone, and they were like complaining. And it wasn't even necessarily chess players; just like a big hotel, they saw some person in the bathroom with a cell phone, and they went crazy. They're like, "Oh my god! Like, what's going on?" And so it's like, so I think we have to just like I don't know be cool about it and if you see your opponent is like going to the bathroom a lot or like you see them with like a device or something like then yeah definitely go to like the tournament director but yeah i feel like the public the public stuff is is pretty bad um so i'm probably actually going to move some of my rankings down here i think i'm going to move eating food at table to like number four i feel like i gotta make room actually (laughs) or something And uh, I think for me, I'll put it at number, um, mm, yeah, I'll put it at number, okay, it's between one and two for me. I'll put it at number one for now. Oh, it's not that one. The worst, huh? Yeah. I think this one too is just definitely the most emotionally uh, charged too. You know, just having the memory of feeling like someone was cheating against me, like during the game, and it just—it's this weird thing where it just throws you for this incredible emotional loop if you feel like your opponent's cheating, and it'll just put you on complete tilt. Like not only tilt with your chess moves, but probably also with your behavior. So yeah, you, you could you could lose it. Like imagine, imagine you start following your opponent into the bathroom. <laughs> that's not good for it. That's not good for your chess. It's not good for anybody, man. It's just a terrible situation. And with most tournaments, the tournament organizer doesn't have the resources to go start following people into the toilet and. 
I don't know if I want him to anyway. You know, it's I don't know, man. That's really that's really a tough one. And I feel like, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be evolving. I feel especially for like these big like the bigger opens that. Uh, like I'm going to play one this weekend and everybody is going to come back to the vast majority of us. Uh, Oh man, it's a, it's a really tough one, man. Really tough. Like, yeah, I just get all, I get all worked up just thinking about it, but I guess I'm going to put it at number one because it's, you can't, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't, it's, yeah, it's a bizarre thing. Like it's, yeah. mm. Cool. everything you said jesse about like the tilting and the like following people around and mm-hmm. do you want tvs in the bathroom and all that like all that kind of like goes to my theory that like we hurt ourselves more by worrying about the cheaters than the cheaters hurt us like it's, it's so much of it is like 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 we torture ourselves so much wondering and worrying and probably many of those times the people aren't even cheating and even if they were we would have been better off just being at peace with it instead of like being all like riled up so i think if you catch if somebody gets caught they should get like really really dramatically dealt with but that's a topic for another day that we've already talked about right but like if you don't know you really just are better off not letting yourself worry about it Anyway, um, for me, it's the second worst. So I've got it at number two, clearly morally re- reprehensible, clearly wrong, clearly just absolutely not okay. Um, and like to the point where there should definitely be codified punishments for people who do this, who accuse other people of cheating. Because you, you're just not allowed to do it. It, it has a, a dramatic negative effect on the people who are being accused. So, I mean, that's where it like steps way beyond some of these other things, right? Some of these other things, like you might annoy one person, right? Right. Or maybe like five people at your, you know, three or four people in your area, stuff like that. But this one, I mean, I mean, if I eat chips at the table, it's terrible, but you'll probably forget about it in a couple, or you might forget about it in a couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) If If I publicly accuse you of cheating and then there's like, you know, threads with thousands of people like talking about you, like... It, you know, it could, it could affect your whole life. It probably will. So, okay. So I give it number two only because there's one thing that's even worse than accusing people of cheating. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, cheating's not on the list, but okay. <laughs> I thought that's where you're going. Oh, okay. it is on the list. Post it. It oh, is on the list. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll put it in the in the purple category. I take it morally reprehensible um and okay there's our our tier list so far um and okay next one is (laughs) making faces (laughs) kind of a light one um although i do have an experience of when my opponent was making faces during the game especially when like yeah he would just like slam out his move and then like make a face at me Especially if he thought like, oh, I didn't see his move coming or something. And especially Mm -hmm. when like the game started to turn in his favor and he was like better and like winning. He just like, oh man, just like giving looks, like raising his eyes, like, oh, oh, looks like you're in trouble. (laughs) Matt, what? uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say any bad words, but (laughs) oh man. Show us more, Kostya. What else did he do to you? And he's he's terrible. Well, actually, he did something that we were wasn't was on our kind of like um, brainstorm list. Um, the first time I played this guy, I was lower rated and a kid, 
and it was like really back and forth game but i ended up winning we both made like really bad mistakes and um after the game the uh the arbiter like walked over to us to like get our score sheets and he, he took his score sheet and just like crumpled it up in front of the arbiter and just like threw it <laughs> He's just like, oh, do you want this? Glad to know that that's not a one-time occurrence. Well, I'm not glad to know, but anyway. So that's <laughs> what, yeah, that's what he did when he lost the game. So then we played like several years later, and now I'm an IM. He's at the same rating he was before. I'm sorry, um, and uh, yeah, now I'm like winning the game. He's like making face at me. He actually ended up winning. Like he tilted me pretty hard. <laughs> it was horrible. I can't believe I ended up losing that game. I mean, he had a good tournament, but. Yeah, so I don't know. It's bad. It's not the worst thing, though. It's I think it just kind of depends on the uh, the severity. Yeah. Yeah, I'm putting that at number. That's my number eight. Is the or oh, excuse me, number seven. That's my number seven. So that's in the lower for me. And I'll say this. You know, it's definitely it's different levels of annoyance with making faces. But I just say, as a chess fan. If you go and watch like old footage of Kasparov pulling faces, it's great, dude. <laughs> it's great to watch Kasparov pulling faces. Or Korshnoi, just go do YouTube and watch him pull faces, and it's amazing. It's just like, thank you for making those faces. That was fantastic. I'm sure his opponents didn't like it, but for the chess fans, oh, man, the faces are part of the, the, the genius of the whole setup. Yeah. Yeah. It is something with the culture. I, I don't know if it's like a Soviet thing, but I feel like a lot of like Russian players, Armenian players, they, they like, yeah. they look at you after your move. It's very unnerving, actually. I mean, I don't think it's yeah. bad etiquette. I just think it's like, honestly, I just think it's like good chess psychology. I don't know. I mean, I think making eye contact is not against the rules and it's kind of part of the game. Like, okay, it's really part of the game in poker, but I feel like in chess eye contact is kind of part of it just like reading your opponent trying to understand are they confident are they scared mm -hmm. like i think there is something to that but um yeah yeah, yeah nepo now is a big one them, as well and, of course you don't want them to read your soul but they're allowed to <laughs> <laughs> they're allowed to try that's right <laughs> One thing, actually, I always want to mention this that we didn't put on the list, but I just want to mention it's just a, a behavior that's worse than making faces. And I just want to put it out there. If you are at the board and you got the sniffles, you better take care of those sniffles, buddy. <laughs> and if somebody comes to you with a Kleenex as a suggestion as to how to deal with your problem, then you deal with the problem. You don't just let the Kleenex sit there and be like, what? What was this for? <laughs> Okay, I'm done with my rat. I'm done with my rat. <laughs> oh man, that reminds me. I remember watching a kid who he had a nosebleed during his game and he didn't oh. he didn't want to get up from the board because he was still banging out his King's Indian theory. This is like a nine year old kid oh. who's like because he's still he's yeah. still in bugs, so he doesn't want to lose time. And he had to use his like really nice polo shirt to like cover up the blood and like <laughs> <laughs> Dedication. Dedication. Yeah, no, he, he's a GM now. Yeah, he is a grandmaster now. <laughs> 100% true. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, and now the nowadays, actually, people are mentioning hygiene in the chat. Yeah, hygiene is kind of important nowadays, especially if you're sniffling or like coughing. I mean, any kind of like thing that suggests 
you have any kind of like uh, you know cold system uh, cold symptoms you got to be kind of like conscientious about that and you know people are going to be nervous nowadays so yeah definitely try to take care of yourselves and um uh yeah try to do that stuff away from the board um i, I guess i'll put our number seven as well Did you guys rank it as annoying or meh? Eh, meh. I put it meh. I'll put it at annoying. Okay. I have it as very mildly annoying. Number six for me out of eight. Um, really, really easy to ignore if you want to. At least for me. So not really a big deal. Okay, cool. Um... I mean, I think like purposely making weird faces at your opponent is not like not exactly like i mean it's not something i would choose to do right um i wouldn't try to i would say any attempt to bother your opponent on purpose would 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 qualify as sort of basically being within bad etiquette right like it's not something i would recommend to students of mine like oh you should try this like sometimes it tilts your opponent <laughs> um but i also don't think it's like this one is particularly effective or a big deal Okay, cool. So where where should we put it then? Ah, uh, meh. Put it at the meh. All right. <laughs> Next one. Prearranged draws. <laughs> well, okay. Let, oh, well. We can start with yeah. David, right? Because <laughs> probably yeah, got the gotta say, Yeah, let me just say, David was. David's a crusader on this issue, so we're giving him the floor. <laughs> right. So prearranging the result of a game is cheating, and the only thing that's worse than accusing people of cheating, pretty much, is actually cheating. Because um, if people didn't cheat, nobody would accuse anyone of cheating. Uh, that's one reason. It's the, it's the original sin of chess, I guess you could say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's the worst. I mean, it... It takes unfair competitive advantages by circumventing the rules. Uh, people buy and sell draws and games and entire tournaments. Um, I saw an amazing like tournament listed on on Twitter the other day where it was, you know, f like four GMs and probably none of the games had been played and some and like the person like quoted like a, a supposed score sheet from the tournament and it was all like analysis taken from a book of Kasparov's, just like a line Kasparov had given in a book the whole game. <laughs> um, and you know the player in question went something like 15 out of 16 or something like or 17 out of 18 I don't know playing like three other people in a sex tuple round robin <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah uh, arranging arranging results not at the board is uh, cheating so it's very bad but there are um, degrees to this, right? Like you're mainly talking about arranging has degrees, yeah. results for um, when there's money or norms on the line. Uh, and yeah. okay, so yeah, we all agreed beforehand. Yeah, if, like, there's, if there's if there's nothing on the line, it doesn't matter as much, right? Like if there's two like um, two players in a tournament and they're not even professionals, they're just amateurs, and they're playing like an eight round tournament, and in round eight, they're both tired and they've scored two out of seven got one more game to play and they're like i don't really feel like playing the other guys like i don't really feel like playing either just go like draw it doesn't matter particularly it doesn't particularly matter but it if but but when it affects like uh you know results 
like who wins what prize or who gets what title or who gets what rating, um, then of course it's cheating. Right. Yeah, because like, I mean, yeah, I just feel like, um, like I definitely arrange draws with uh, with friends, but never in like a moment where we're like both fighting for a prize. It's more like the second case where it's like the end of the tournament neither of us are playing for anything and we just don't want to play the game, right? We don't want to like forfeit, but yeah, I don't like playing my friends uh, in general. So that can be tough, but um, yeah, I think we all agreed buying games, like fixing a result, a decisive result, that's like completely off, <laughs> out of line. Um, with draws, I think it's mainly not as bad uh, when it happens earlier. In the final rounds, yeah, I'm with David. It's it's basically just cheating. Though it's kind of hard to differentiate. Like if two players don't prearrange a draw, but then they play five moves and someone offers a draw and the other accepts, like how is right. that really different? It is because the rules say you can't arrange the result away from the board, but the rules do allow you to offer a draw during a game. So for me, so the I difference just, is between whether it's according to the rules or breaking the rules. Yeah, but it's like a very, I mean, and I would I would say this, Kostya, the part where I don't see the difference is like arranging a draw or a win away from the board. Mm. That's where I don't see the difference that you're making. If the draw allows somebody, if somebody needs a draw to win a tournament or get a norm or get like a rating or get a spot mm. in interzonal or something like that, and they arrange the draw away from the board. I don't see the difference between they happen to need a win and they arranged, arranged a win away from the board. I think it's whether or not the game is played on the board or arranged that matters, not whether it's a draw or a win. Right, right. No, fair enough. I, I think um, when it comes to norms, whether you need a draw or a win, I would agree with you. That's basically the same thing. I think for like prize money, though, there are many cases where you know a win guarantees one of the players a higher prize because they tie for a higher spot, right? And then they share that prize and then they get, end up getting more money than if they just prearranged a draw. So that one I do feel like it's worse because you're like actively cheating other players out of cash versus like, okay, you guys don't want to play the last round, like you make a quick draw. Like for me, like whether that's prearranged or not, it's like, it's almost immaterial because it's like, it's almost expected at this point. Like growing up with like open tournaments, the top GMs, they always made draws in the last round. Like whether it seemed like they were friends or not, or they prearranged it or not, they could be like from different countries. It just seemed like the, the top two players, they just almost always make a draw in the last round. If they're both like in first place, like five out of five or whatever, like, I don't know. That just seems like that's the thing people do. But yeah, I feel like when you, right, when you lose a game or you throw a game, then right, it's like, yeah, you're stealing money from, um, from others. But with the draw, you're also potentially stealing money from others. Otherwise, you wouldn't be making that draw. Well, no, I mean, if um, if that game was played, I don't, that wouldn't necessarily affect others or, or not. You know what I mean? Like, like someone still has I mean, to win that game or draw. Like, a result is still going to have to happen. When players agree to the result of the, of the game like that, presumably it's because it's maximizing how much money they're making. No, or it's just, like neither one wants to uh, wants to lose and risk it. I guess if that's what you mean by maximizing, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just not allowed to do it. 
it's against the rules. You may have seen a lot of people do it, but I mean, if you've paid attention to history, you've seen the U.S. drop a lot of bombs. That doesn't make it right. <laughs> so maybe I'll just, you know, I, me and David have had a long-standing kind of disagreement on this one. I just want to, it has a lot to do, I think, also with just different generations. So I just want to back up and say, the um, when I was coming of age, you know, I grew up in a chess, literally a chess desert, and um, you'd go play like the under 16 championship the United States or the under 21, and there would all be these Russian Jewish kids, they're all immigrants, and they came with this Russian chess culture. And they were the ones who kind of, you know, as a top-down thing in terms of culture, then as now, it always happens from the top down in my estimation. And they were the ones who were like, you know, had this culture of, well, look, you know, if if somebody wants to agree to a draw, then it's their, their right to do that, whether that happens before the game or after. And that is something that's kind of mostly evolved i would say in the united states that we're now in a place where david is where he's very much against the pre-arranged draws and it's now i think technically illegal in a way that it wasn't back in the day like back in the day it was just out in the open people weren't even hiding it you know it was just something that was done you know you, they would go to the board and they would sign the score sheets within 30 seconds there wasn't even there wasn't even any you know pretense about it and that's of all the united states but still when you look at the eastern bloc countries the most famous example being this uh women's grand prix thing between the you know was just agreed to draw people a lot of people in the west got upset because they didn't have insight into that old school culture which says you know well i have the right to agree i have the right to you know i'm putting my coconuts at stake oh. when i play a chess game of chess and i have the right to offer this draw and they don't have to accept it but you know that's this idea now that's evolved and um i just want to put it in context for myself like one thing David is also against, and I get it, is just people making early draws too. And I think that has a lot to do, if you want to make an argument for that for me, it'd be like with the popularity of chess. Um, but for example, I'm about to play this tournament. I'm an old man. It's going to be two rounds a day, potentially like 10 hour days for me going deep into the night. And I don't have that kind of energy. If my opponent wants to make a draw and I'm exhausted, oh, dude. I'm taking that thing first, uh, whether it happens at five moves or 10 moves, I'm taking that thing. And I think now, you know, I wouldn't do it before the game just because people look down on that so much. But I, I do think that's just an extension and evolution of this thing that used to happen before the game is now happening with a wink and the nod, you know, within 10 moves. And just to put a story on it that I thought, I just think is hilarious. I was at a tournament in Hungary years ago, and this famous Eastern Bloc uh, player, GM, comes out and shouts to his opponent across the breakfast buffet, so, do you feel like a fighter today? <laughs> I loved it, you know. So, do you feel like a fighter today? And the guy was like, no, I don't feel like a fighter today. You know, and that was just the culture thing. It was out in the open, you know, so it's a thing that's, uh, evolving i'd say and so to me it's not it's still not a big deal but i think because people like david get so upset about it i think it's wrong so i'm putting it at number six. Oh wow yeah, that's six yeah oh it's pretty long well yeah i mean i think 
guess we should, well, I don't know if we need to clarify anymore, but yeah, for me, like I'm kind of treating this at um, arranging draws at the highest levels, like, cause it also happens in like these, uh, these round robins at the very elite tournaments and it has been happening for years. And Jesse, you mentioned, was it the Mizichik sisters that you mentioned just recently? Right. Then? Right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, that was so funny. Like, they posted that with basically a caption, like, oh yeah, the sisters, they never play each other. <laughs> which... They never, they never <laughs> play each other. <laughs> and they were just like, oh, that's just part of their charm. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that one a little bit, and like, okay, I'm very biased. I'm from Ukraine. I like the music sisters. <laughs> but I was thinking about, like, in tennis, they don't give you the option, right? Serena and Venus, they have to play. They can't draw each other. Right. And I think there I think there's something to that. I think like for the elite events, I think it has to be built into the format. Otherwise, the professionals will always be professional and make a draw when it suits them. And here I'm, I think I'm also talking about like, you know, like the super quick draws we see with like Naka and Rajabov making all the time, like in the Berlin. Like mm -hmm. to me, like those are honestly just as bad as like prearranged draws. They're like basically to me, those are basically the same thing. Um, but like, yeah, I think that just has to be built into the format to make it just kind of like, or at the very least, like, yeah, if you're going to do that, well, then you're just going to end up playing like a bullet game to decide the result or something to that effect. Um, like they do in tennis with like the tie break. It's like a shortened um, version. So I don't know. I think that's what they have to do to fix that. Well, and I will say, you know, I would say around 10 years ago, this thing of, um, only being allowed to offer draw after move 30 and that really only happens in quality events you don't see that in your opens but that rule definitely cut down on the amount of draws it just changed the whole dynamic uh, because at move 30 someone's better <laughs> they're not willing to stop playing at move 30 anymore you know so uh that definitely is I think a, a cultural shift that has to do with the rules that for the most part, especially in one round of day tournaments, as you see, like with the US championship and other things like that, it really did cut down on the amount of prearranged draws or and just draws in general. Right. Uh, okay, so yeah, I guess for me, I'll put it in my number two spot because I think it's bad, but again, to degrees, I feel like if it's at an elite event or there's like, um, there's money on the line or norms, then yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, it is against the rules, but it, it is, yeah, it's like the, how to put it, like the most okay form of cheating there is in chess. Cause it's like, yeah, technically against the rules, but it just happens so often and has been happening. There was that guy on Reddit who like posted about this tournament he played in Europe where like most of the games were prearranged draws. And he was like so happy to get his like, uh, like I don't know, it's twenty two hundred or something, and then you just like really, you didn't even realize it was a problem, and then people had to like gently, you know, on Reddit, let him know that he uh, his tournament was like a complete, complete farce. Um, but uh, but yeah, but you if it happens, that if people don't play chess, it's not actually a tournament. He just saw this part <laughs> of the culture, like oh hey, these IMs are giving me draws, cool. Like <laughs> uh, it was yeah. a package entry fee, huh? No, I mean. <laughs> It definitely feels like, um, I don't know, I don't know a weird thing to say. It definitely feels like a sign of respect. You know, I remember I was offered a draw before a very important last round game. It was offered at the board. The guy was like, do you want to play or no? <laughs> that's that's how he said it. Right. And, yeah. and I was like, I was very confused. Uh, I like, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> 
and then and then like the game started i didn't t- say anything to him and he's like dude what do you want to play <laughs> and i'm like yeah yeah let's play let's play um because i actually i i was still playing for a prize the thing was he was confused he thought we're both out of the money and uh, he's mm-hmm. like okay so whatever doesn't matter i was actually still playing for a prize had i won the game so i was like no no i want to want to play of course and, and then afterwards, he apologized. He was like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't even realize you were. <laughs> I didn't realize you were playing for a prize. He didn't even know." So I don't know. Uh, it's bad again to some degrees. Yeah. Um, so there's our. Okay, there's our rankings for this one. Six one two. Uh, next one. Um, did I, no, I lost the game. No, he crushed me. I mean, he's, he's a stronger player. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next one. Talking to others during the game. Um, so, okay. Again, this this can vary to a certain degree. Anywhere from, like, you know, giving your hotel key to, like, your roommate because they need it, which I think is, like, totally fine, versus, like, you know, talking to your friends, like, not too far away from the board, uh, which I think is pretty, it's pretty <laughs> sus. Uh, and can be annoying. Um, yeah, I think kids do it a lot. Actually, I get annoyed when kids do it because they really like. Uh, I think they really take it too far. Um, in in the terms of, like like if someone I I definitely feel like I've seen kids like discussing the the position, not discussing like oh you should play this move, you should play this move, but discussing like. Like, oh, you're crushing, like, oh, you're, like, even just evaluating the position, I think, is already somewhat yeah. useful and helpful, and, and 100% shouldn't be done. Like, I think you shouldn't talk about the game at all, like, zero. Um, whether you should talk to things about uh, irrelevant stuff to the game, like, oh, what time is the next round, that kind of thing, I mean, I think that's fine, but, yeah, you should be respectful, whether it's, like, around other players who are playing, they can hear you, or they can, like, see you. Yeah, I, I, I think that's terrible. And, you know, before the iPhone and the new possibilities of cheating, this would have been at the very top for me. And just to give it a little history, th- this also has to do with Eastern European chess culture because it's this weirdest thing, you know, back in the day, American players would just be, oh man, so upset at the Russians because they would be talking to each other all the time like all the time during the game and they'd go out for a smoke and they'd be talking about their position and stuff and everybody was thinking of his cheating which at least it was to a certain degree but in hindsight what i've learned through that thinking about it was and the culture that they had was they're generally interested in like how do you what do you think about my position <laughs> And they weren't really necessarily doing it to cheat. And, you know, back in the day, yeah, so there was talking going on back in the day. And, you know, a lot of ways you think about it, like, you you know, you try to cheat off somebody's test, you might be getting the wrong answer. You know, so it wasn't nearly as bad as, not even close as bad as cheating with a computer. But still, it was very bizarre. And it it was disconcerting, too, especially if you're an American and you don't understand what they're saying, you know. And so it's a really, you know, weird situation when they're talking. And and I think that's definitely evolved to the point now where it's just completely unacceptable to talk to other people during the game. I, I'd say, you know, 
cone of silence, man. Cone of silence. And if somebody wants your key to the room, they can come tap you on the the uh, shoulder or something when it's not your move and, and put out their hand and then hopefully that'll be understood. Uh, but basically, no. No talking during the game. And that's an evolution of the game that I'm... I think is correct because once you allow a little bit of talking, it just goes out of control. And you know, when you when you think about cheating too, there's there's so many different ways to cheat. If you just have, I um, yeah, yeah, no no talking. So that to me is pretty high up there. That's number three. Okay. You are not allowed to talk to other people. Yeah, that's number three for me too. And so yeah, let's clarify again. Like if you're talking about the game, like that's just cheating. That's obviously not okay. Um, so for me, where it's a matter of etiquette, it's like if you're not talking about the game, but like your opponent can see you talking to someone, the you know the mind is always going to draw conclusions there, right? So I think you have to be really, um, really careful about that if you're going to talk, you know, about something benign, which I think is kind of okay, but at least like be I don't know discreet about it. But why is it that this time, you know, if everybody's talking about their games together, this time it's not okay? Even though everybody's doing it, but with the but with the prearranging results, it was okay just because everyone was doing it. Oh, well, I don't think everyone is talking about their games with each other. I think that happens very rarely. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's very rare that players will actually give each other um, advice, and I think it's more of a thing of a of the past. But when that happens, yeah, I think that that's really bad for sure. Yeah, but I mean, we just had a previous topic, which was people cheating, and the excuse was like, well, it's, you know, everybody does it, so it's okay. Then Jesse says, like, well, Russians used to always, like, talk about their games together, and, you know, and, uh, you know, so isn't that also just accepted, and, and we should give that well, a pass as well? Well, like I said, David, we disagree on the draw thing in the terms of what a person's right is to offer a draw. You know, mm -hmm. I know we, we just disagree on that. Ethi is, is a cheating thing, and I don't see it that way. And and now with the talking to others, that is one where it's it puts people on tilt, man. It puts me on tilt if I see you go off and start talking to people. It's no, it's not okay. And so I don't know what you're saying. And the whole like mania about like worried about people cheating it's like yeah it drives people insane so i think that's why that culture has had to evolve to a point now where it's just like no totally not okay to talk to anybody when i played in tournaments everybody always talked to each other so like from yeah. my like from how i was like raised at tournaments everybody talked to each other during games and so did i, I and yeah and i remembered i remember people would go into the bathroom and be like how's it going and you'd be like oh i'm either lost or i'm losing i don't know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> or i lost or i'm winning i don't know um yeah and i think it's very much changed yeah i guess for okay. me yeah big differentiator is like whether other people are getting cheated out of something so like when top players make prearranged draws in elite events they're kind of stealing energy because everyone else has to fight that day and they don't. So they just kind of like save a day. And I think that matters. Uh, and then when like, yeah, people are like talking to each other during the game, if there's any kind of like hint or advice or anything like that whatsoever, like clearly that's kind of getting outside assistance, right? So it's like, it's kind of taking away something um, from, uh, from others. Actually, I remember one time, like this is really for the kids, like you gotta be careful because I, I think kids don't really mean to do this, but. I remember one time I, I was a kid myself, I was playing someone and my bishop was like hanging on b5 and my opponent had queen a5 check taking the bishop for multiple mm. moves. 
Uh-huh. And there were some kids like watching our game, kind of like snickering about something. Mm-hmm. And then like you know, my opponent like at some point he was like talking to them, and it's like, and then at some point he comes back and he like plays Quidditch five check, like takes the piece. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like I don't know what happened there, but like they were looking at the game, they were snickering. I'm a strong enough player at that point where it was kind of funny that we were both blundering Queen A five check for like multiple moves. And it's like, they probably had no idea, right, that that's, like, noticeable, right? But the opponent could even have, like, he could have just, like, looked over at them, noticed, like, hmm, something's weird, and then looks at the position, like, oh, queen a5 check, there it is. Like, that kind of hint can be super helpful. Um, right, yes. So, yeah, people should just be careful about it. That's what I think. I agree. If you're walking by other people's boards, you need to really have a poker face. And you can't be going, like, whoa, at somebody else's position. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a piece hanging. Have you guys seen that video of Naka in... Gibraltar looking at uh, oh, Levon's yeah, game. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if you can't do that, like Sophie, if you can't keep your face straight, then I would say you can't even go look at other people's games. Like, that's what I would do to myself. If I couldn't keep a straight face, I wouldn't go look at other people's games. myself anyway on the on the topic that we have the talking to others during the game i mean this is perhaps just a product of how i was brought up and what's normal to me but i put it in meh number seven no Mm. big deal you know not i mean obviously like everything there's there's a spectrum if you guys had intended this to be talking to other people about your position then i would put it you know at number one with uh with the draws um but but as long as we're not talking about formal cheating, we're just talking about like people like having conversations together. No, we're not. Mm. Which which is it? <laughs> well, you know, you don't know, do you? You don't know. Right, right. Yeah. About. So if it's just you don't know what they're doing, but they're talking, um, then I would say, meh, whatever. You should stop worrying about whether or not people are cheating against you and just play normally and mm. let other people like chat with their with their friends about you know whatever where have you been how are you doing how many students do you have these days etc okay yeah that makes sense so i put a number seven for you um and now i'm kind of like rethinking my rankings because for me it's like okay it's kind of annoying um but right now i have it above eating food which i feel like is really bad <laughs> like like to me right now the worst I'll part of it those. the way we're describing it is as if it's like sort of distracting and making some noise in the tournament room that would be like because i mean it's not like perfect right so but you know if you go off in a corner whisper a little bit or maybe leave the tournament hall go for a stroll oh no david not okay dude no 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 well next time we get paired i'll do it we'll see how much it tilts you no talking what's it's also you're also a stickler for the rules it is illegal now it is it used to be opening preparation complete go for a walk it is now it is now illegal you are not allowed to really yeah of course you're not allowed to talk to anybody during the game anymore get out of here that's a new rule that's been around for at least 10 years. At least 10 years. Yeah, you know, talking. I feel like it is a FIDE rule. I have and no the idea. FIDE rules oh, or yeah. the USCF rules or both? I mean, to me, I don't care about the USCF rules. It's just the international rules now, you know? All right. You, well, you, I'll, look up, I'll look up the FIDE rules. If it's illegal, yeah. I won't do it. All right. Maybe I'll just tell you I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, so where should we put this? Annoying, really bad. I put it really bad, Net. but you know we're gonna have, we could average it out at the end. Yeah, know? for me it's kind yeah. of annoying, so I guess that's where it's our average. Uh, okay. Oops. Um. So we got playing on in a lost position. Okay. Yeah. Next is playing on and lost position. Uh, anyone feel strongly about this? One thing I find humorous is that Kostya's English is mostly perfect, but he loses the indefinite article often. So instead of saying playing on in a lost position, he says playing on in lost position. No, no, no. I just did that just because it was, you know, because earlier it was on, it was like playing on in a hopeless position. It was just too long. So I just shortened okay. it. But okay, that's fine. I, it is one of those things where if you like make a face long enough, your face kind of gets stuck like that. Yeah, I do like. I do like the Russian English a little more <laughs> sometimes. I know, I know you do. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> you play without pawn? Um, <laughs> um, it's brilliant. So, so uh, I was confused as to whether this is seven or eight to me, but I, I'm going to put it at eight, playing on in a lost position. It, it obviously can be really bad when it gets egregious. But in terms of what upsets me, and it's not illegal, so, you know, I'm going to put that in number eight. Yeah, yeah, like the worst example of this is when you have, like, um, someone is just dead lost, like they're down a rook, down a queen, just kind of hopeless, hopeless position, really zero, zero percent chance of winning, and then they're just, like, stretching the game on for, like, 30 minutes, an hour, like, just, they just use up all their time, um, mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just kind of sit there. I've definitely seen players, uh, like kids, they just sit, like they, they hang a piece on move seven and then they just sit there for like an hour because oh, they don't want to yeah. walk outside. Um, oh, God, yeah. So that's kind of the worst part. Um, so, yeah, for me, I'm with you, Jesse. It's like, uh, it's very mildly annoying, but honestly, like, I I'm probably just going to enjoy my winning position. So, <laughs> um, yeah, don't waste time. I do have kind of a soft rule where, like, if I'm playing someone and then they, they drag out the game, uh, kind of like more than what I feel like is reasonable, then I just won't give them a postmortem afterwards. Um, right, everyone else, sure, I yeah. think if I win the game, like I'll at least like talk to them about the game uh, a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if they really drag it out, then like I'll just say like, no, sorry, I have to go. And so yeah, I'll just, um, that'll just be kind of like it. That'll be it, uh, affecting me. Um, yeah, definitely stalling is worse than, than playing on. But yeah, I played a kid like, he was just like down a rook and he's like making moves, you know, like he's trying to find like the best move in the position, but like he's not, like the chances there were like really zero, right? So it's kind of, kind of pointless. Yeah. David? Yeah, for me, the spectrum on this goes from just absolutely okay, all the way to very bad, depending on, you know, how lost it is and how much time the player is taking, playing it out, you know? So I had one really egregious example but you know, I wouldn't rank it based on that because that's really an outlier. But I had an example where it was like 40 and two and somebody basically blitzed out 20 moves, maybe 19 or 20 moves against me using like whatever, one minute on the clock. And so they had like an hour and 59 or something like that when they realized that I had mate in two oh, no. and they used the whole thing, like half of it on one move and half of it on the second move. Um, so that would be like the extreme example. Obviously, we can't judge the whole thing by that one example, right? And then the other example is like, oh, you're in like a knight versus bishop ending that's technically like lost, you know, and there's like a 60 move maneuver to beat you. 
And then it's like, obviously, like whatever, you're supposed to play it out and learn about the end game. Um, so overall, I'm gonna, you know, put it in sort of like mildly annoying. Um, I, I'm gonna say like, we're probably, you know, probably talking about situations where people are down enough material that you feel like you're kind of like wasting your time on something a little bit. And then you don't really feel like doing a postmortem with them. I think is kind of like an average scenario of what we'd actually be talking about here. So mm -hmm. I put it number five. Oh, okay. Close to making faces. Oh, well, we're going to have a strong debate on the last one then. If he's putting it there on number five. <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. So then where shall we put it for the tier list? For me, it's definitely a meh. Yeah, for me, it's as well. So I think it's it's going to meh. Okay. So it goes to meh. Cool. Okay, and then our final one. Yeah, leaving the board um, on your turn. So when your clock is ticking, uh, yeah, presumably without saying something to the opponent, like, <laughs> like oh, I'm sick, or like, oh, I need, like... Like, excuse me, or something like that. I don't know. Um, no, you don't talk to your opponent. And that's what's talking to your opponent. Yeah, it is. But it is weird to get up when your clock is ticking. No, no, I think actually, so this is going to be the one where we have the greatest discrepancy between me at number two. I was going to put it at number one, and then Kosti was talking big about how bad it was to accuse someone of cheating. Leaving the board on your turn, absolute no no absolute morally the whole the whole business <laughs> the whole business now let me clarify if this was 1990 you could leave the board on your turn and i wouldn't care leaving the board on your turn now oh horrendous absolutely horrendous and in fact let's be clear the rules are very clear on this now the rules have changed if you want to leave the board and there are reasons like for example, let's say you're sitting and you're thinking about some hectic calculations and it turns out that your bladder's gone whack, then etiquette is, and rules, you have to go tell the arbiter that you are going to the bathroom. There is no like talking to your opponent that you're going to the bathroom. No, you go to the arbiter and you say, I have to, I have to, I'm sorry, but I have to go to the bathroom. Otherwise, you do not leave the board on your turn. It is not done. It is not something, this is worse than a prearranged draw. This is worse than eating food at the table. This is worse than talking to others. It, it is absolutely obscene to leave the board because of the problems around cheating now. You, and, and if you leave, if I playing you or I see you leave the board, somebody else, I'm just gonna assume, I'm gonna assume the worst because that's where we are right now with the cheating culture. So no, do not do it. Do not do you now let me be clear if you want to walk around where let's just say you want to stretch your legs and you move four feet away from the board that's totally different so what we're really talking about is leaving the playing hall not okay yeah yeah you can like so that's, get up and what we're saying when it's your opponent's turn you're allowed to do whatever you can leave the board there are some right. players that leave the board every time so yeah that's normal when it's your opponent's turn you can leave the board go to the bathroom whatever you want to do um that's okay yeah it's just when it's your turn then that's what makes it look sus because it feels it feels like you're just going to the bathroom to check your phone that's what it feels like <laughs> it feels very sus my friend very sus yeah yeah by the way isn't there a, a new rule that you can't even have like a cell phone during the game like you have to leave it in your in your room or something 
that's the understanding. At the, and I think with a lot of these opens, like I have a feeling what's going to happen. We'll see how it goes. You know, the culture is evolving, but uh, you know, that you, you would be in trouble. You, you know, before the opens, they were usually pretty lax about it, you know, but you know, it had to be off in your mm-hmm. backpack or whatever, you know? And right. a lot of times in the opens, it's hard not to be, have your phone on you because like, let's say, you know, you're leaving directly after the round and you, what are you gonna do? Put your backpack on the side of the room where it might get stolen. You know, it's tricky. It is a tricky situation. Yeah, tournaments really need to offer some kind of like uh, check-in process. Like a lot of the bigger events do, like Gibraltar and Reykjavik, you just check your phone right. in and you get it back after the round. Cause yeah, cause like if you have to, uh, like if you're traveling, you have to like take a taxi or like an Uber or something. Like you need your phone. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, when I sort of stopped that. playing, the rule was you had to have your phones off. But I thought that I like heard somewhere that maybe you weren't even allowed to have your phone anymore. I feel like some events are like that. Like you can't even have it in the room. But it depends on the the tournament regulations, <laughs> not like a blanket. Yeah, I feel like it's yeah. It, mm-hmm. In my experience so far, it really depends on the tournament organizers. And honestly, like I, especially like the big American opens, even if it goes off, they're not doing anything. You know, they're, they are not, they, they talk big game, big game, but you know, when that phone goes off, they just don't want to deal with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously that's terrible. Honestly though, leaving the board on your turn, worse. <laughs> Even worse to go than having your phone go off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, Jesse, you're putting that number two. Number two. Yeah. And I was confused it, about whether it should be number one, but there it is. Yeah, that is. It's pretty hard to say because it's kind of like these kind of seem equal. Once they're in the morally reprehensible category, it's it's hard to say which of these three are worse than the others for me of these top three um i mean definitely it sounds like there's like no possible like explanation for doing it if there were an explanation it would be like i just really have to like you know run to the bathroom to be sick or something like that and then you just have to either like whisper it to your opponent or the tournament director no not the opponent just the tournament director okay yeah uh I don't know. Yeah, it is. Like, I'm saying there's not an excuse for running off without explaining why. Yeah. yeah. It feels weird um, just like the social etiquette. It feels weird to just get up from the board without telling your opponent like, you know, like, oh, I'll be right back. Or As the uh, opponent, if your time is ticking, I'd rather you just tell me than you go whisper something to the TD I don't know and like disappear. Yeah. No. Uh, actually, we didn't talk about this in terms of etiquette. I, to me, the only communication after the game starts is offering a draw. That's it. There's no more. There's nothing. I don't. To me, there's nothing else you can say. That's it. The zone of <laughs> silence beyond the draw offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll put it in morally reprehensible, and I'll put it at number. Well, see, you only have eight left, buddy. That's why I thought we'd have a big disagreement here. <laughs> you can switch no. it up. I think I'm switching mine up as well. You can put it as number three for me, Kostya, but it's really, it's like all kind of like, it's pretty close to tied. You could put it at number two. I don't know. Okay, I'll just move these down because I, I feel like usually, usually this is benign. 
Um, and I think, I feel like the most common reason is just you gotta go. Like when you gotta go, you gotta go. Um, so <laughs> I think usually someone just has to go and they're not cheating. Um, and that's like, I mean, is there really someone who like he can only cheat when it's his move and like he doesn't know what to do? Like <laughs> he, can't, he can't just cheat on like, like I think there's very few players that are only cheating in this one way. Like when they leave the board on their turn and <laughs> they go, they go like figure out what to do. Um, so yeah, definitely degrees to this one. Uh, I don't know. For me, I think I feel like I got to move something around here. Um, it's worse than talking to others. I feel like it's not. I'm going to put a number five. I have a question in chat. Are we talking about leaving the tournament hall? Yes, we're talking about leaving the tournament hall. Yeah, yeah. If you're within sight, like a few feet away, that's right. Yeah. If you stand up, touch <laughs> your legs, look at the board from a different angle. Well, actually, I, hover, I find that annoying. <laughs> yeah, you better not be like right here. <laughs> What if someone gets up on their turn, then they just go like look at other games? Not okay. Not okay. Mm -mm. Right. Um, man, there was a case I remember of someone getting caught in the bookstore looking at a book of the opening that they were playing. I'm telling you, man, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. Um, actually, I got a talking to. It. I remember I was I was just browsing some of the books in Reykjavik, and they're like, uh, "You shouldn't be here if you're playing." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry." I had no idea. I was, it was like move 30. It was like way past, you know, whatever. But it wasn't even an opening yeah. book. But fine, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, sorry. So we actually, I never put in prearranged draws. I guess we're putting that in, in purple. I feel like our average is probably pretty high okay. on this one. And then where, where do you guys want to, whoops, where do you guys want to put this last one? Uh, I think it's morally reprehensible, but I think you guys are a little bit milder on it than I am. Yeah. For me, it's actually, I would put it like annoying. This one here? Uh, yeah, leaving the board, yeah. Leaving the board when it's your turn and there's no reason. Yeah, I put it with Jesse. I mean, I guess it averages out to, um, to really bad in that case. Sure. All right, cool, cool. Well then, here is our tier list. Still make some last second changes if you guys feel strongly about your rankings. Let's see. That looks, that looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Um, and then here are our individual rankings for anyone still wondering, I mean, it's yeah, pretty close for the most part. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, okay, now let's do maybe really quick speed round. Just a couple of do's and don'ts. Maybe we didn't mention. Um, yeah, big don't. Like standing right behind the opponent. Being like, I don't know, just in their space. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's not okay. Let's see. Um, oh, right. Uh, talking to the top players. Uh, before the game, no, no. Don't talk to anyone before the game, either. So don't talk to anyone during the game. Don't talk to anyone you don't know before the game. Like asking for an autograph or like, hey, what happened in your game last night? I thought you were winning. None of that. Uh, -uh. if you don't, if you don't know them, 
<laughs> don't do it. They don't want to hear from you. They just want to think about their prep, think about their opponent. They don't want to, like, after the game, mm-hmm. if they won a good game, you can ask for an autograph. That's, like, the one time if they won a good game, <laughs> you can ask for an autograph. If they lost their game or if they, like, blew a winning position, they, like, drew, or, like, they drew the game and it was kind of meh. If they drew and it's meh, it depends on the player. Like, Magnus, I wouldn't approach him. Wesley so, you're probably okay. He's pretty nice. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if they made a quick draw, <laughs> you can ask them, like, huh. Hey, Kosti, I'm a member of the dojo. I'm so happy that we're playing the same tournament together. <laughs> Not okay, guys. <laughs> I will be polite, but secretly not okay. <laughs> yeah. Kosti will just try and copy paste a link to this video to them in person and be like, wait, it's not working. How do I, how do I just throw a link at this guy and walk away? <laughs> um, okay. Do you guys have any quick do's or don'ts? Yeah. Go ahead, David. I've got, I've got a couple do's. So number one, I would say, so we're not doing like handshakes. I think it's very important to have some kind of respectful acknowledgement before and after a game. So with handshakes out, um, I would say you should say something polite before and after the game to the opponent if you can manage it. Something like, hi, and something like, thanks for the game. Hmm, that's really interesting, yeah. I, this will be the first time I've in thousands of games that I've played over the board that I haven't shook so, shaken someone's hand. It's actually... It's, yeah. It's a big deal for me, actually. It's like, I don't even understand. Yeah. I'd say yeah. come up with something to show respect, you know, a small bow or inclination of your head. Mm-hmm. Like, you can mm-hmm. do something gentle. I wouldn't, like, tell them something complicated if you arrive late for a round. I mean, it's not great to arrive late for a round, period. It's respectful to show up on time to everything, including chess games. But, uh, <laughs> but if you didn't manage that, you know, you try not to, like, start talking to the opponent like, hey, I'm so sorry I'm late. It's just, I got stuck in some traffic and then I couldn't figure out where to park and the people on the boards next to you are just like <laughs> giving you dirty looks. <laughs> so I would say, you know, indicate respect somehow briefly at the start and the end of a game if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is be sensitive in the presence of anyone who's just lost a game in a tournament. Just just be careful, be sensitive what you say, you know. If you're really happy about beating them and you're and you're trying to just say something nice to them after the game, be very careful how you choose those words, right? Like, <laughs> oh that was so fun, that was so awesome, you know, and the guys they're like So so be sensitive. Chess players who've just lost an OTB game are often in a lot of pain. Not all of them. But yeah. enough of them that you should like treat them very gently, I would say. Actually, that's a good topic. Like, who should offer the postmortem, and how should that be done? Well, we talked a little bit about this with the chess culture, and you know, that's something that's kind of it. It used to be a kind of a required thing that people did, and now, you know, people are just doing it less. So it's a uh, it's a curious thing. Uh, I don't think there's any clear rules on it anymore. You know, you you even see it, and it, it'll be interesting to see. Like back in the day, the tournament organizers would be very 
diligent in getting a Skittles room. And nowadays you go to a Skittles room and instead of it being like this quiet place where you can look at your games, it's like the place where all the parents are camped out with all their snot filled stuff all over the rule, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's different. Yeah, it's so funny. People always ask questions. Yeah, it's called the Skittles room. That's just where you analyze games. Yeah. Or play Blitz between rounds or... sure. Yeah, do whatever. Yeah, hanging out. Um, you know, I would say that it's okay to scream and curse after the game, but you have to do it in your hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own note to self. That's note to self. Don't scream and curse. Don't drop the f bomb right there. Is that what we're going to find if we look at the notes you've been writing on your score sheet to I yourself? Will Jesse or David, not Costia, though, smile. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's. It, I don't know. It is. It's respect for the game, you know. In that, you just gotta, you just gotta bottle that up and, and move it on out, you know. Also, in the postmortems, yeah. I feel like the the loser of the game always has a right to ask for one, or to ask like, where do you think I went wrong? Um, and mm-hmm. if you won the game, I think you should only offer a postmortem if you're like a higher rated player. And like, okay, you want to like give your opponent like some tips or something, or like you want to help them out. Um, if you're a low-rated player and, like, you won your game, like, I would be careful about offering a postmortem because usually, like, the other guy's going to be, I don't know. It's kind of like, it's almost like you're communicating, like, oh, maybe I'll teach you something, right? Even though you're still, like, low-rated. And, Even though you've already taught them something. Yeah, like, you already beat the game. Now you want to, like, teach them. Um, so, yeah. So I would say uh, the loser always has the right task for one. And uh, if you won the game and you're higher rated, I think you, you can uh, certainly offer one. Um, so post, just clarification uh, with terminology, postmortem in Latin means after the death. So after the game is done, sometimes it wasn't death, sometimes it was a draw. And also with the, Dritman was asking about the score sheets and generally there's a carbon copy. So you can keep half the copy and you give the other one to, your, uh, uh, to the um, arbiter and then you can go take you know that is your piece of paper uh, that you can then take with you to the postmortem or just i keep them i have a you know and i use that then for my own analysis of my game later very important yeah um i've got one other small piece of advice for people going to their first tournament and wondering about the etiquette and all this and that is to have fun because I think sometimes when people are like too nervous and too stressed about stuff and like trying to like avoid doing all the things that might bother people, like it's, it creates this kind of nervous, stressy environment that's actually more annoying accidentally, you know? And you're like trying so hard and so carefully to not make noise and then you just sort of knock the whole table over by accident, you know, when, when you're trying to put your pen down gently or something. So I think one thing you can do that will help yourself and help those around you is to just, you know, try to try to relax a little bit and enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely relax. If you think your opponent is doing something suspicious or like something against the rules, or like they touched the piece and like they didn't move it or like something like that, just go to the arbiter, explain the situation, have them resolve it, you know. Um, definitely don't try to like resolve things with the opponent, any kind of like rule thing. Because uh, the opponent's not going to be on your side, right? They're always going to uh, 
like try to keep things on in their way so if you have any kind of issue or like you think the opponent's doing something weird just go to the arbiter just ask them they'll help you out um someone asked about draws we talked about draw offers earlier just really quick rule of thumb if you're lower rated don't offer a draw unless um you have a winning position and you're offering mercy is what you're <laughs> offering and um if you've already offered one draw and it gets declined don't offer again unless your opponent um then offers a draw uh, themselves at some point and then you decline and then play on and then you can you have the right again to offer the draw so only one draw offer until your opponent um, uh, offers on their own cool well that was that was a good one you guys that was a good one that was great hopefully we didn't ruffle too many feathers um <laughs> this one what do I if you wanted to ruffle rated. feathers, we would take a list of famous players and rank them by how good their etiquette was. <laughs> <laughs> the tiers could be, you know, chess ratings. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, if they're within 50 points, within 100 points, that's not necessarily lower rated. Also, if it's more than a 100 point difference, you're a lower rated player. Like if, if you're 18 and 100 and your opponent's 1900, you're a lower rated player. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, headphones, I think, not really allowed in many tournaments anymore. Depends on the regulations. Um, no, no, it's not different etiquette for higher or lower rated. It's just that people will be higher rated than you and people will be lower rated than you. It's like, all of, it's like respecting your elders. It's like we treat older people in our society differently than how we treat children. To me, it's very similar, right? It's not, <laughs> it's not like... Anyway, thank you guys. All right. <laughs> This is a lot of fun. Uh, we'll catch you guys in uh, the next one. Thanks all for, for tuning in.